Handle on the news. Handle on the news. He acts like the incredible hawk when he does not get hit what he wants. He does not like to be wet, and he wants to eat as soon as he gets hungry. Here's Bill Handel. All right, everybody. Here we go again. Uh, we start a Monday, May the 7th. All right. Guess who's back? The infamous uh, Jennifer Jones Lee out for a month, uh, a week. Uh, where were you? Uh, I went on a cruise for Scott's 40th birthday, the little Long Beach to Ensenada one. Okay. And then I went home and we're packing up the house to sell it and I had a yard sale. Okay. It was very exciting. So you were busy. How, uh, how was the cruise? Um, it was a booze cruise. Yeah, of course. Just Carnival, as, Carnival, yeah. Carnival Cruise Line. Was anybody not drunk? No. Uh, no, I think we were like the only ones. But it was. there's a lot of good people watching when you're like the sober ones. Yeah. There was a wrestling match of people who shouldn't be wearing bikinis in a hot tub behind me. Yeah. That was fun to watch. I know. It's Carnival. I'm not a big fan of Carnival Cruise Lines. You know, for example, their exotic seafood salad is a can of tuna. <laughs> the food was okay. Yeah, it wasn't... Was- Let's put it this way. You get what you pay for, yeah. right? I mean, and, and that's not, I'm not being disparaging to Carnival. I'm just saying, you know, it is what it is. Yep. Very, uh, it's it's inexpensive. Yeah. And uh, the food is just above cafeteria, uh, hospital cafeteria. It's a little bit above it. And, oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's very strong stuff. It really is. <laughs> uh, a lot of fun. And they nickel and dime you for everything. Yeah. I would say have to because that's, uh, you know, you, got, you have to make your money someplace. It's the drinks. I think it was like $8 a day for, they call it like the bubble package to where you get like unlimited sodas or juice or something like that. But if you wanted to drink unlimited, right. it was like 50 something bucks a day per you person. Can, you can make that up though because uh, wine, but it's really rot gut wine at dinner. Uh, it's, there's no question about it. Every wine has a screw top on it, uh, or except for the wines that come in boxes that they put on the middle of the table. And, uh, but, we had that, a good but the other cruises that it's all included. Yeah. You pay for it. Yeah, exactly. And I tend to go on, uh, I, I, when I go, I tend to go on the more expensive cruises because I like, uh, old white people <laughs> who sip on, uh, you know, sip on those drinks, on those whiskey drinks. Uh, so it's just, but I've been doing that since I've been in my early thirties. Now it fits a little bit better. <laughs> then we have, uh, the, uh, the wheelchair races. Oh, fantastic. And, uh, we have, uh, the Walker races. Wow. Those are very exciting. You can tell at dinner. Well, you uh, both make the, me really excited you know, to go on a cruise. Soon. You, can tell, wow. you can tell at dinner that the walkers and the wheelchairs are just lined up on the wall. You know, it's it's both good and bad, right? So there you go. You either get Handel's way of cruising or my way of cruising. Or you can go somewhere in the middle. That's true. All right. Uh, anyway, welcome back. Thank you. And uh, there's uh, Wayne Resnick. Hello. And Alex Thrazo. And uh, there's Blake in for uh, John Ramirez today. Are, are you doing uh, Gary and Shannon also today? No, sir. No, sir. Tony's coming in for me. Oh, okay. Good so enough. One. All right. Fair enough. Where's John? Getting married yeah, already. Was already John married. is Yay. now a married man. Yep. To and a woman. He's coming back from vet. Yes. To, to, well, it wouldn't matter if it wasn't. No, it would just make it for but more. But in this would, case, happens to would, be to a woman. It yes. would make it more interesting conversation. Oh. Less show material now. Uh, that's true. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Okay, guys, let's just do it. We have lots and lots to cover today for sure. Some of the big stories that we're covering is uh, the California GOP. Party uh, is not endorsing any Republican. John Thomas is joining us. Uh, you've got that crazy-ass Kilauea volcano. 
uh, that. Oh, man. So there's lots going on. So in the meantime, let's do it. Lead story. As I said, and John's going to cover this at 7 o'clock, the uh, California GOP is not endorsing a, a uh, candidate for governor because uh, neither of the Republicans have garnered the 60 percent of uh, the vote needed it uh, from the party. So uh, it's uh, it's going to be an interesting one, to say the least. And here's the problem, is that it may be two Democrats running. That's what I thought. Doesn't this almost ensure that? Not necessarily. We'll talk to John about this. But it doesn't matter. Gavin Newsom is winning it anyway. You know, unless they find out Gavin Newsom is, uh, they have pictures of him screwing a goat. And if it turns out it's an adult consenting goat, he's still winning. Why don't we move on? Let's move on. All right, let's get an update on what's going on in Hawaii. I don't know where I'm gonna go when the volcano Well, they're just telling them, go, go now, I think is actually the word that was given to people who live near the Kilauea volcano. But now I just got an update. It's 31 homes that have been destroyed and 1,800 people who have been evacuated. And part of the problem is, as this lava just spews up out of the ground, out of the fissures, it's... You've got pieces of lava or little bits of lava that are starting spot fires. So if your house isn't mowed down by the lava as it just creeps along and eats everything in its path, then you get a spot fire that's started by the lava. And there's something about people wanting to get close to a volcano just to because it's a, a looky-loo thing. Yeah. Uh, the problem, of course, is since you have these pieces of molten rock flying up 200 feet in the air, that may get a little problematic as closer you go. Also, the, the fumes, the toxic fumes, you may die even before uh, you, you get anywhere near it. So everybody's out. There's a zone, a safety zone, of which you, you can go on the other side. You seem to be okay. But it's you see the aerial shots of this thing, oh, yeah. especially at night? Yeah. Oh, man. So it's not just one area that's bubbling up. It's dozens and dozens, especially when it comes through the roads. And the roads start buckling. Boy, I sure want to move there, don't you? And by the way, now they're worried that all of the the toxic gases could cause acid rain on top of it all. Uh, And Giuliani does it again. Maybe. Bill, I want your opinion on how bad this is. Uh, Fresh off telling Hannity that Trump reimbursed Michael Cohen for the Stormy Daniels payout. He goes on This Week with George Stephanopoulos and... He talks about basically, hey, that was Michael Cohen's job if something came up. And so George Stephanopoulos says, did Michael Cohen make payments to other women for the president? And Juliana goes, I have no knowledge of that, but I would think if it was necessary, yes. All right. How bad is this? Uh, a couple things. First of all, I I think what there are plenty of other women. You know that because you know Donald Trump. And I think it's going to be sort of a preempting that be, it could be get ready for the next one. Or there are plenty out there, and we don't know if they're coming. That's one. Uh, number two, uh, I don't think it matters at all to his base. I don't think they care. They already know, what, one woman, two women, ten women? Does he care? And even if he, it'll get to the point, of course he'll deny, 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 deny. But does he care? Whether Do you care if you're a Trump supporter, whether it's two or 20? No, of course not. He might as well just say, yeah. And? And move on. And just move on. And again, when another one comes up, all he has to do is say, and another one's come up. And? Because that's certainly the way his supporters look at it. All right, we're going to come back and do more handle on the news. Well, I don't know what I don't know, so I kick my shoes. 
Handle here on a Monday. Uh, big stories that we're uh, covering. Uh, oil is now uh, above 70 bucks a barrel. Get ready for a lot of expensive gas. Rudy Giuliani, we're going to talk about that. Has he put his foot in his mouth? Has he put both feet in his mouth? Don't know the answer. Well, I do, but we'll talk to John Thomas a little later on. 7 o'clock, actually. All right, more Handle on the news. Uh, welcome back to Jennifer Jones-Lee, Wayne Resnick, and me. Thank you, and there's a storm a-coming, baby. All right, now we're back. Uh, more handle on the news. Okay, uh, storms are coming. <laughs> Jennifer. I'm not doing it again. <laughs> Stormy Daniels on SNL over the weekend. And, of course, you got Alec Baldwin doing his Trump impersonation. And she said to him, I know you don't believe in climate change, but a storm's a coming, baby. Yeah. Oh, my God, the writing. And really? she delivered the live from New York line. Uh, they get the gets. Uh, the, the the interesting ones. I mean, the ones that are just everybody cares about. And, uh, for example, they could get the Pope next week. But <laughs> the Pope would have to have done something. For example, he would have had to have a relationship with Stormy Daniels. And uh, they would have grabbed the uh, the Pope to do it. I mean, that's Saturday Night Live. Man, I just love it. I love it. All the right. video's up on your page, KFIAIM640.com, keyword handle. Hey, attorney, here's a get. Attorney General Jeff Sessions will be visiting the U.S.-Mexico border today. Yep, he'll be there. The press conference is at 1 with uh, ICE Deputy Director Thomas Homan. They have not disclosed where that press briefing is taking place yet. Yep. Now, uh, President Trump uh, was there in March at Ote Mesa. Homeland Security Secretary uh, Christian Nelson was at Calexico uh, and that was, uh, I think, the last couple months. Uh, then Vice President Mike Pence uh, was at the El Centro border station. I mean, they're all making a pilgrimage to the border. This is the Hajj. This is El Hajj. When we were on the, uh, we were on a bus in Ensenada going up to the blowhole thing there, and our tour guide actually, in the middle of his like, oh hey, look over here, here's the Corona plant, blah blah blah, gets political, and he's like, hey. I want you guys to look around and see that this is the real Mexico and you want to build this border wall. And And I thought, oh, my God, we're on vacation. And yet we've got this political guy on the, you know, CB thing telling us we can't shut him up. But it was just crazy that I think he was upset about the border wall. But then we talked to other people who were like, yeah, yeah, put it up. We don't care. So but I'm sure whatever session says Trump's going to be listening because he said that we might have to close up our country over border security. Yeah, uh, no one knows exactly what that means. The assumption is, of course, that the budget, uh, he will he'll veto uh, the budget, which just shuts down uh, the United States for whatever period of time until it's opened up again. He, but remember, he has to sign off. If the, if the president doesn't sign off on the budget, the government does stop. If the House, uh, the Senate and the House doesn't vote, or the House doesn't vote, then the, uh, that's it. Then the government stops. So now couple of things going on. I want to talk more with John Thomas coming up in an hour. Uh, is this a political statement? Is he going this far to prove to his base that one of the major, major points of his campaign uh, has to be fulfilled, a promise that he's made? Uh, and or uh, is it uh, is he that dedicated to the proposition that all men are not created Mexican? <laughs> <laughs> And apparently not French and not British. 
France, people in the United Kingdom, very upset with the president. Not all of them, but some of them over his speech to the NRA. One thing he did is he talked about the knife attack problems that they have in London, which is a completely true situation where they have seen an uptick in murders by knife. Uh, but he described it as a war zone, and there's blood all over the walls of this hospital. There, It's as bad as a military war zone hospital. Knives, 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 knives. That's what he said and made a stabbing gesture. And then uh, in France, they're mad because he was talking about the 2015 terrorist attacks. He wanted to make the point that if there had been good people with guns, they could have stopped them. So he mimicked the gunmen uh, calling people over to kill them. Boom, come over here. Boom, come over here. So uh, people are not pleased. And uh, again, I should say some people. According to uh, the uh, doctor or the administrator, the hospital administrator in England, uh, he's he's screaming, saying, I I never said anything like that. I mean, you're taking it totally out of context. Uh, Gunshot wounds are at least twice as lethal as any knife injuries. They're more difficult to repair. And uh, this is crazy. It's Again, is this considered a lie? Oh, well, it's the president taking a statement and then exploding it. And uh, again, going to talk to John about that because uh, does it matter? The only I was thinking, does it? Uh, here, here is a thought that I had, and that is, and we're getting some, uh, we're getting some backlash now from Kim Jong Un about the denuclearization uh, language. What if Trump comes back and says Kim has agreed to denuclearize? Kim says, you're crazy. Trump says, oh, you did it. And any reporting that you didn't do it is fake news. I mean, that's just a thought that I had. Now, is that beyond credulity? No. No. The point I'm making is, it's Fox just reported, by the way, and the headline is, uh, the Trump administration argues there is no credibility gap. There is no credibility issue with the White House. Huh? Where do you go with this? So, oh yeah, we're going to take a break. We'll be back and uh, do more handle on the news. It is a Monday morning. I like that you broken, broken like me. Maybe that makes me a fool. I like that you lonely, like me. All right, we're back here. And there's plenty more handle on the news. But first, uh, Wayne, you have uh, some information. Yeah, come see Bill Handel's face right in your face. Donate now to help the American Red Cross Initiative to Get Prepared California. You and a guest will mix and mingle with the KFI crew. It's an exclusive evening at the beautiful OUE Sky Space in Los Angeles. You'll have cocktails and appetizers. You'll meet the whole KFI team. There's a live Q&A session with the host photo opportunities. You have to be 21 years or older to attend they're limited tickets. Get them before they're gone. For more details, log on to KFIAM640.com, keyword mixer. All right, back we go to more handle on the news. Jennifer Jones-Lee, back from the Carnival Wars, Wayne Resnick, and uh, me. Do you remember that story where an off-duty police officer thought he saw a guy steal Mentos from a convenience store, and so he pulled his gun? Fresh goes better with this one because the officer, after he pulled his gun, he says, you know, give that back and says, I'm a police officer, that sort of thing. Well, the guy had already paid for the Mentos, but the reason the story is back in the news two months afterwards is because we're finally seeing video now of what went down. It went down exactly the way it said. 
Uh, now, the police chief said he, did, he didn't point the gun mm-hmm. at uh, the individual in front of him, Mr. Mentos purchaser, but uh, he, and he didn't have his finger anywhere near the trigger. So there wasn't any real risk. But he thought a guy had shoplifted Mentos and pulls a gun out, as opposed to simply pulling a badge out and saying, police officer, put that back. Uh, and then as soon as he said, but I paid for it, he did. He asked the clerk, is that true? Uh, yes. Asked him again, is that true? And the clerk said, yes, yes, he paid for it. And then uh, the cop turned it to uh, the, uh, the victim, if you will, and apologized profusely. But still, pulling a gun out for uh, a pack of Mentos is... A little extreme. Yeah, just a little. So he's in some trouble, I would think. And uh, Excuse me, turn my mic on. And uh, another cop not in trouble... When he was called to pull two Native American brothers off of a college tour. Thomas Gray and Lloyd Gray drove hours, seven hours from their home in New Mexico to Colorado State University to take a campus tour. And while they were on the tour, one of the mothers on the tour decided that they were suspicious. It's still unclear really why she thought they were suspicious other than they did show up late. So they weren't there right at the beginning. And they were wearing hoodies, and they weren't white. And so she calls the cops. Now, the cops come. The whole thing's on their body cams. The cops were totally professional. You know, you're on the tour. Yes. How'd you sign up for the tour? Okay. Hey, don't put your hands in your pockets. We're just talking to you. And then eventually they were like, okay, go back to the tour. But But it it was too late. late. The tour was gone. Right. And they can't get another tour now. That's just great. And they're not going to drive another seven uh, seven hours. What they should have done is put feathers on their hoodie. Oh, yeah. Did we say that they were Native Americans? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. No. And you know what? I don't think they want to go to that school now anyway if that's the the – well, there is a tone on campus. Well, Colorado State has had problems with all kinds of racism. There have been racist uh, graffiti, and there was a paper news, and uh, there was uh, some other stuff going on. Well, NASA has stopped online voting for a high school science challenge. Wait till you hear why. Apparently, some trolls tried to manipulate voting and didn't speak too highly of a group of African-American female students who had pulled into the lead and said, I'm angry that this is forced diversity. Yeah, just just crazy racist stuff. But here was, I was watching this last night on the news, and I'm thinking you have science experiments and pretty sophisticated stuff. When you talk about uh, these high school science uh, finalists in these uh, various uh, science uh, contests, uh, it's... You know, this is really high-end stuff. What are they doing having Americans vote on this? Wouldn't you have just a group, a panel of experts that NASA would choose? Yeah, like well, we know anything. Like, yeah, this is American Idol. Come on. Right. Although it's, the, it's their way of trying to get more people interested in science. So I understand that aspect of it. And by letting people vote, it gives them how, some stake but how, in it. But here's the question. How do, what does anybody know what the science is of this? They, they have don't. no idea. It's personality. It's look at me. I have the dimples. Therefore, you know, how does a bowling ball work versus how do you produce a new Mars rover that's going to do far more than any rover we put up there? Oh, I like the bowling ball people. Well, the voting stopped, so you got what you wanted, Bill. Were you the guy on 4chan who started all of this, Bill? I did not. No. Okay, fine. (laughs) Oh, a stern warning 
to us from Iran. Jennifer Jones Lee just got a stern warning. I did. You were in the back of the boat. <laughs> That's just stupid. That was just stupid. <laughs> President Rouhani was on television, and he said that uh, he said two things: if we abandon the nuclear deal, it would be a, a historic mistake. And he also said they have plans for whatever decision President Trump makes. If he stays in, we have a plan. If he is out, we have a plan. Well, that's easy. If he's out, uh, they're going to go balls to the wall and rebuild their nuclear program. And uh, if we stay in, then they hold off until all the money is paid and sanctions are lifted. Then they go balls to the walls to build their nuclear program. And the president's right when he said this is the worst deal we've ever ever entered into. The problem is... Does a president abrogate a deal that the United States became part of? And now it tells the rest of the world, don't trust us. We'll cut a deal. But if we don't like it with the next administration, we're going to undo it. And that's a problem. That is a problem. And then there's some technical crap that's being thrown. Oh, we didn't sign it. It has to be ratified by the Senate. It never has. As, you know what? Presidents have such enormous power. They can cut deals all day long without the Senate getting near it. So, anyway, we'll see what happens. And he's got a week to cut this deal, a week to find out if we're in or out. And it looks like we're going out, according to Pompeo, our new Secretary of State. All right, uh, we'll come back and finish it up. If I handle here on a Monday, May uh, the 7th, uh, we just did an Instagram at Bill Handle Show. And I, I don't even know what they do three quarters of the time. So... Wayne comes around. All I know is he has a little cell phone, and all of a sudden there's the camera, you know, on the, the camera on the cell phone, and he's videoing something. So, anyway, uh, you'll see my response to it. Well, it's about because you got a new haircut. Yeah, typical stuff. That's what inspired us yeah. this morning. Okay, fair enough. Uh, let's finish it up. Handle on the news. Jennifer Jones Lee, Wayne Resnick, and me. Hey, Idaho State University just found out it's bad to lose plutonium. Even better than that, weapons-grade plutonium. Oh. Well, if you're going to lose it, I guess go big, right? So they've uh, got a fine of $8,500. They had this small amount of this weapons-grade plutonium. And they the plutonium is used, uh, oh, you know, to make, like, bombs or something, according to the U.S. Nuclear Regulatory Commission. And uh, they're saying that uh, the amount is not sufficient to actually build a weapon, but it could be used in a dirty bomb to then spread radiation. Yeah, I don't think terrorists got hold of it. I think they just misplaced it. I also, think so, too. quick question. What's more expensive, uh, an ounce, a, a gram of plutonium, plutonium or a gram of meth? Oh, plutonium, for sure. Depends on the quality of the meth, I would think. There is no such thing as quality meth. Really? I, I can assure you. Did you ever see Breaking Bad? <laughs> uh, I did see Breaking there Bad. Is... That, was a, that was a fiction television show, you are aware. Huh. But it's still possible. Yeah, thank mm. you. <laughs> Hey, uh, Gina Haspel, President Trump's nominee to head the CIA, got some cold feet over the weekend. On Friday, she had a meeting at the White House where uh, they were, I guess, getting her ready for her confirmation hearing. And she said, you know what? This seems like it's going to be really brutal on me because of the whole secret prison that I was involved in. And I might be asked about torture. You know what? Maybe I should just step aside and we don't have to do this. And And then she went back to her office. And so they dispatched Sarah Huckabee Sanders and this guy, Mark Short, who's a legislative affairs guy. They go to her office and talk her back into it. 
As of right now, she's still going to try. And she should. She should. should. She's eminently qualified, probably one of the most qualified people, certainly most qualified woman, although that doesn't make any difference whether she's male or female. But it uh, she moved up out of sheer merit through the CIA. And at that time, it was legal. At that time, it was. I that know, was part of our policy. The idea that she somehow was singularly transgressive I know. is not correct. If you want to criticize what the agency was doing, it's the entire agency. And the administration yep. that allowed waterboarding. I mean, unless you can actually say Gina Haspel was the one who decided, hey, I've got this idea. Let's waterboard. Well, maybe it was just allowed. And she said, we're going to allow water, uh, waterboarding right. in this circumstance. But anyway, at, at some point, you go, come on, you're going to have transgressions. Uh, that are completely insane. Uh, you had, for example, Senator Byrd of, uh, was he uh, North South Carolina? He'd been around the Senate. You've Robert Byrd? Uh, West was, Virginia. Uh, West Virginia. Yeah. A virulent uh, racist. Virulent. Clan member yeah, for when a while. He, when he started in the Senate, he became uh, just uh, a guy who went the other way. Uh, Lyndon Johnson, uh, anti-black uh, when he started in uh, Texas as a congressman, and uh, he is responsible, of course, for the Civil Rights Act of, 18, uh, of 1965, uh, which is probably the most uh, important si- single civil rights act that had ever been passed by a president. And uh, so it's where you are. Let's look at history. I mean, there there is context here. All right. Remember those two FBI officials who were having the affair, and then they had some, like, really anti-Trump tweets back and forth to each other. And they were supposed, they were previously members of Robert K- uh, Mueller's special counsel team. They've decided, ah, we're going to resign. As they should. Well, the, no. I Why? mean, the guy, it's not, the, they're not the couple. One, the woman, Lisa Page, she was part of the couple with the FBI agent Mark Strunk. Well, yeah, that's right. That's, that's true. He has, she, it, she, and he already is out. Jim Baker is an additional. Is a right. dis, is another guy, right. and he his problem was he had some connections to Christopher Steele, who wrote the uh, dossier. But anyway, they have both resigned from the. Now, FBI. see, there was a, t- a tweet from Donald Trump this morning that said, "You know, the angry Democrats in charge of the Russian witch hunt." I'm paraphrasing, but then he says, "Just wait till the courts get to see your unrevealed conflicts of interest." And I wonder if he's going to say that there was conflict of interest, obviously, with Robert Mueller's investigation. And could he be pointing to people like this? Yes. To Baker and Page. I'm sure. I'm sure. All of this to make sure that we don't pay attention to the really important stuff. World War III is about to start, but who cares? No, here's the really important thing. If you've ever wanted to try a pizza from Patsy's Pizzeria in Harlem, one of the most iconic pizza restaurants in the world... You don't have to go there this week because JetBlue will bring one to you. From May 9th, <laughs> from May 9th through May 11th, they'll fly every day. They're going to fly 350 cheese pizzas and uh, pepperoni pizzas from JFK to LAX. Right. And then apparently if you live in the right areas, which means geographically desirable for them, uh, you could order one and they'll bring it to you right now, to your door. It's a five and a half hour flight. Yeah. yeah. Plus, the pizza has to be delivered to the airport. So let's give it six hours at best. 
And uh, what, what do you do with it? And then L.A. traffic, so yeah. it's at least another hour to your house. So uh, I'm assuming either they – well, if they try to keep it warm, the thing is going to be cardboard. Yeah. Uh, if it, and by the way, if it was Domino's, it starts at cardboard, which I love. <laughs> and it's uh, – I mean, obviously, it's a publicity stunt, but really – Five and a half. Maybe uh, they're six. frozen. Is it possible they're coming frozen? Then you can. Why don't they ship them frozen? What good is frozen have... delivery? You throw it on a truck. Six hour pizza isn't that bad. College kids lives off of like 16 hour pizza. That's a good point. Or 16 day pizza. Yeah. yeah, I know. All right. We're done, guys. Coming up, John Thomas. Oh, we got Giuliani to talk about. We have the president to talk about. We have uh, lies, if you want to call them lies or exaggerations to talk about. Oh, we've got so much. And that's all. And don't forget, we have uh, the Republican run for the governor. That is in the news. So we'll come back with all of that. KFI AM 640. I want to wake up. It is a Monday morning, May the 7th, some of the top stories that we're covering. Uh, Get ready for uh, gas prices to surge again. And uh, that Kilauea volcano. Oh, yeah. Nothing like living in Hawaii right in front of a volcano that's spewing ash and lava. Okay. Now, uh, usually on Friday, we have John Thomas. And usually, uh, as I tell John all the time... You know, Mondays really are when we should do Fridays, as well as Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. So we now have a Friday on a Monday with John Thomas of the Thomas Guide uh, on all media. And uh, because John, of course, is our political strategist here and, uh, you know, pretty Trumpist, to say the least. Matter of fact, John, yesterday you had called me right after your CNN hit. Uh, regarding the McCain uh, statement about not inviting the president, and you ripped into John McCain, right? Well, yeah, because the idea that John McCain is this holier-than-thou figure who's, uh, you know, just so disgusted with Trump because, you know, John McCain is a complete 180-degree opposite is baloney, Bill. John McCain is known to have the worst temper in the entire Senate, he is a politician like nobody else. You know, he's when he runs for when he runs for office, he's a hardliner on immigration stealing Trump's rhetoric. But then he goes out there and he's a turncoat and he votes against Obamacare and he uh, repealing Obamacare and he wants to be loved by Democrats. I don't know. It just right, it so, smacks me as a two faced politician. Yeah, the guy is dying. He's a genuine war hero, which he, I, I didn't say he wasn't because no, 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 he no, is. No, I'm, 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 no, but no, he's still no. a, a politician. Yeah, no, I'm not arguing that. I'm not arguing that. Uh, it, you, and you're denying he that. clearly hates. Look, right. Trump has infuriated him, and 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 I think McCain has a right to be infuriated there. But let's not forget. I think John McCain also is just repulsed by the idea right. that that a guy like Donald Trump with Donald Trump's personality could come in on the first – basically the first go-around and become president of the United States, something John McCain tried twice before and failed. Yeah. Uh, in the meantime, all I'm saying is maybe a touch insensitive. It's like, <laughs> rip, it's like ripping into Ted Kennedy as he was dying and known as the lion, lion of the Senate. Yeah, the guy's a jerk. Yeah, that's all I'm saying, John. And you, and you got one or two emails, I'm assuming, too, or tweets. Uh, more, more, th- more like thousand, yeah, uh, of, yeah. of them. But, 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 yeah. I mean, okay. the issue is normally I would let this thing slide, but you know, when you do an interview and you just, 
I don't I don't buy the stagecraft in and just the holier than thou right. bit in, in the final bits. All know? right, now so. let's go to what is going on. And uh, Rudy Giuliani is either sticking in his his foot in his mouth on a constant basis the last few we uh, the last few days actually, or this is simply part of a well planned strategy where Rudy Giuliani is laying the base for Trump. Uh, either being caught with uh, a bunch more women uh, that he has paid off uh, or through Michael Cohen, uh, or uh, they're anticipating some real legal problems here. Uh, He may take the fifth, and a quote this morning, I'm focused on the law more than the facts right now. Which way is it going? (laughs) It's a little bit of both. I think last week they intended to get out in front of the uh, the Stormy Daniels challenge uh, or the Michael Cohen uh, um, illegal um, independent expenditure by by saying that Trump reimbursed the money, uh, but it also appears. I mean, I watched some of these interview these back to back interviews Giuliani did, and he was contradicting himself in these interviews. So I think it was a combination of a shift in legal strategy, but also multiple screw ups and a lack of discipline. So the problem with the uh, the Trump's legal team here is it's one foot forward, one step forward, two steps backwards on, on, on this mess. But I must say, Bill, and I said this on your show last week, that it seems like they're buying the argument that I was about to make, which was uh, – if Trump wants to claim that this wasn't an election payment, he has to claim that there were that this was routine. This is something he has done before. Uh, he, he's done before there was an election because he's done it in prior years, and he'll probably do it after the election, All which right. is what Giuliani's hinting at. So, uh, just and this goes to, to uh, Donald Trump and the uniqueness of this presidency, and that is uh, he had Michael Cohen admitted that, and Giuliani specifically admitted. That Trump paid back the money, but never even knew he was paying it back, right? Which, of course, no one believes, which is why he probably will take the Fifth Amendment if uh, the subpoena against uh, Donald Trump is upheld. And it's hilarious uh, that I think, and I want you to comment on this, uh, Cohen and Giuliani say he paid it back. And the questioning is, but you had said that you didn't know any of it. And he said, there's no credibility cap. Well, they're going, hey, but you said it exactly opposite two weeks ago on Air Force One. No, I didn't. And they show the video. Uh, that's not true. Uh, I, I never said that. What is that about? And what, what is, does that affect anybody at any point? Well, they were, they were caught in a lie. No, I mean, I don't think most of Trump's base gives a rip. I mean, I, I, I think they're, I think they're, not, they're not happy about the whole Stormy thing, but I, I don't think... Um, you know, they never thought Trump was a, a choir boy prior to that. It was interesting if you if you watch Kellyanne Conway on Jake Tapper yesterday when she was asked that exact question. I mean, her spin spin on the matter was weak at best, but it was Trump's uh, Trump's response when he was asked about n- knowledge of these payments uh, on the airplane uh, was that. Trump didn't understand the timing of the payments. He didn't. It was it was all about timing, which I mean, come on, Bill. Yeah, <laughs> we, we clear, it was clearly a denial. Right. So the question, the bigger question is, is this going to blow over or is this going to be is this going to force him to take the fifth? Because a, a president, if it got uh, if it became known that he had to take the fifth, 
you know, that's that's a big deal. Except I want to come back and uh, I want to comment on the fact that even Donald Trump taking the fifth is not going to affect his base. It does not matter. Oh, I don't think it I don't think it will. But it still is a big deal for discussion. Uh, Of course, that gives you a chance to go on CNN and back up Trump. And, uh, and get another 3,000 emails. Uh, all right, we'll be right back in your chance to win $1,000. KFI AM 640. All right, back we go with John Thomas. Uh, John, of course, uh, the political strategist, strategist extraordinaire, our political strategist here on uh, KFI. Heard, uh, just go to the Thomas Guide, heard on all media. And, uh, John, we were just talking about Giuliani, and uh, over the last uh, several days, week, week and a half, he has become the spokesperson of uh, the Stormy Daniels business, uh, specifically in what's going on with Trump. Uh, now, we know that there's contradictions afoot, and uh, they're going back and forth on each other. Why is Giuliani still the spokesperson? Because there has to only be one person who is allowing him to go forward. We all know who that is. But does that mean Trump is simply ignoring all uh, political analysis here? I I think Trump is – the problem you've got is I think Trump's facts and his direction are changing internally. So you know Giuliani is making mistakes, but it's also hard. I mean you look at – you look at just the White House and how that operations run from a a publicity and public relations standpoint, and that's one of the reasons the the comms director – or they don't have a comms director, and the spokespeople have such trouble because the story is always shifting. Uh, So I I think the president is just trying to straighten it out with Giuliani, Uh, and and look, from the outset – I can see how Giuliani would be an attractive spokesperson. Um, he brings both an understanding of being a prosecutor, being a defense attorney. Uh, he probably has relationships with many of these reporters because he's known them for years, and he's fairly media savvy. So on, it looks like he should be able to handle this. The, the problem is Giuliani needs to go in with a clear set of facts that he doesn't deviate from. And when you watch some of these interviews – he contradicts himself in the interview, yeah, and that just causes more questions. For sure. Okay, well, uh, one quick statement, and then I want you to comment on then I want to spend a minute talking about the governor's race. Uh, and that is if Donald Trump is forced to take the Fifth Amendment, uh, and he is, uh, they go for the courts, and the courts say, yeah, he has to sit down now pursuant to a subpoena, and he takes the Fifth, uh, he is simply going to say he had no choice because it was part of the witch hunt, and they forced him to do it. And it's that it's going to prove that he is a victim as opposed to him actually having done or the accusation of him doing anything wrong. Does that fly? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's that's the party. That would be the party line. And that would be what you know, what I would essentially if I were trying to spin it, that's what I would advise him to say. But uh, you know, here's the thing. There's been so much news on Stormy Daniels. There's been so much news on the Mueller probe. And now you've got a, a judge or two saying that the Mueller probe is, is overreaching just to end Trump's presidency. The partisans have taken their side on this bill. I, I don't think there's going to be – they're virtually – unless there was a smoking gun of some kind as it relates to the Russians, there would be nothing I think legally that could change Trump's base's mind about Trump. And, of course, if he takes a fifth, it's – you know, it's, this thing's going to peter out one way or the other unless there's something so horrifically wrong. And even then, I have to tell you, I think this guy could be convicted and it's all part of a witch hunt. Uh, and then the only issue <laughs> is uh, are the Republicans prepared to toss him? And I would say no. They're not. 
Uh, so anyway, let's just quickly not move. not because not because they're getting their agenda passed. If they weren't getting their agenda driven, that'd be a different story. Got it. So let's uh, the governor's race and uh, big news at the uh, GOP of uh, the California GOP is not endorsing one or the other Republicans. What does that mean? Well, the Republican Party sets up a high threshold uh, to get to receive the endorsement. You need over sixty percent of the delegates vote. That's a, that's a very high threshold. Uh, Cox, John Cox got about 55%. I think Travis Allen was about 40%. Uh, so neither candidate's going to get it. And here's what it means. Uh, this is good news for John Cox. It's bad news for Travis Allen. Uh, John Cox was already, uh, ahead in the polling. It looked like the, the Republican electorate more broadly was, was coalescing around Cox. Uh, and Travis Allen needed a big win over the weekend to become the you know the choice of Republicans to get him back it, in the he game. He didn't get it. However, real, he, I'm yeah. sorry. Go ahead. Well, just saying this this is this is uh, this was the lifeline that Allen needed to revive his campaign. I oh. don't see a pass forward for Allen. However, you may see uh, that the people who are most loving Antonio Viragos and want him to be governor, they may. Stop advertising for Antonio and start advertising for Travis Allen, only hoping to pull votes away from John Cox. All right. Since we have a uh, top two tier uh, system here in California, in other words, it can be two Democrats, one Democrat, one Republican, two Republicans. What does that mean for Gavin Newsom is what's going on, the front runner across the board? Well, there was a major shift on Friday. Gavin Newsom went up with a, a new television ad in which he was attacking Republican John Cox. For being, you know, pro crazy gun nut, too far right wing, and at first you think to yourself, "Wow, uh, he must really think John Cox is a threat." That's not the case. He actually does not want to run against Antonio Viragosa because Antonio, uh, there is an electoral path for Antonio to beat Gavin, or at least give a, a good fight in a general election if it's if it's Antonio and Gavin. Uh, if if a Republican gets to the next round, it's very difficult just from a registration standpoint. So this was and this was Gavin's way of lifting up John Cox and making him the Republican choice, because whatever Republicans think, whatever Gavin thinks is bad must be good. All right. Thanks, John. All thanks, right. We'll, we'll see you on Friday. I'll see you then. Oh, no, absolutely. I think we have one or two more things to say. Uh, <laughs> coming up uh, Monday, Moolah or Moolah Monday with Guy Adami. Uh, we'll be back. KFI AM 640. Money talks. This is more handily stuff with the glasses perched on his nose. Here comes the money. Handle should absolutely <laughs> go to. All right. KFI Handle here on a Monday, May the 7th. And it's hot, hot, hot. Big stories that we're covering today. Uh, be prepared for uh, gas prices to go up dramatically. Gas jumps over 70 bucks a barrel, and that has a lot to do with uh, the president dumping the uh, nuclear, the Iran nuclear deal next week. Giuliani, eh, I don't even know where to go with that. It's contradicting himself even inside of his own interview. Uh, and interviews, and of course, the, uh, uh, the Kilauea volcano is spewing like crazy. Actually spewing more than we spew on this show, which is kind of hard to believe, isn't it? All right, Guy Adami, it's time for Moolah Monday. Good morning, Guy. 
And you're on the phone. Exactly. Hello, guy. Yeah, well, Tuss, speaking of spewing, by the way, those great sound bites you play, those are typically not on your show. I usually do that in Jennifer's show. We're just making fun of you. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, that, well, we have Blake today, uh, uh, who is uh, on the board as opposed to uh, John is getting married to a woman. And it was uh, so he's just grabbing stuff. I, I think it's fantastic. Muscle tough to John. So what do you want to talk about? All right. There, uh, I, a real problem is uh, the whole issue of uh, student loan debt, which is exploding. And uh, it, this may be a real, real, real problem. Uh, because what yes. student debt is over a trillion dollars now? One point five trillion, I think, to be exact, and that number's you know not getting smaller anytime sooner. And one of the biggest problems, and you know it, it's you know P, let's say let's just say for example you were to borrow tw- a measly twenty five thousand dollars for college. I say measly. I'm not trying to be a big shot. You know what people don't realize is you know if you get into defaults or arrears or something, that number can easily double, triple, or quadruple over the life of the loan. And that's one of the real hidden problems. You know, kids go in with the best intentions. I'm going to get an education. I'm going to borrow money to do it. I'm going to get a great job. I'm going to pay it back. And for a lot of people, they're horror stories in terms of people in their 50s and 60s and what they still owe on these loans. It's madness. And when you think about the numbers here, uh, it's, it's almost a perfect storm, isn't it? Because what you have is the amount of money you need for a college education today that has exploded beyond exploded. And the fact that when you get out, there's less of a chance of getting a good job with a college education than there has ever been. Right. And then you feel like, my God, if I don't get a college education, what's going to happen? So you even more it's this it's a it's vacuous cycle. I don't know what the answer is. And as technology continues to get into the workplace, there are fewer and fewer jobs. So, I, I, again, but in terms of the school thing, they don't make any more Stanford's. You know, they're not making any more USC's. But the, the demand for those schools continues to rise. I think UCLA last year. And I might be mistaken, I don't think I am, got over 100,000 applications. So, you know, whether, you know, costs can go up based on that because there are people out there that are going to pay. So prices continue to go higher, job growth continues to grow, wage growth doesn't grow, and you have this terrible, terrible problem of a trillion and a half dollars floating around in student debt. So I'm assuming it's going to be a question of, uh, since it's uh, for the most part, the vast majority is is government, uh, of course, backed up, government Mm -hmm. guaranteed. I'm assuming that the only answer legitimately is going to be the government just has to suck it up, uh, forgive the loans, and uh, just uh, add to the national debt, which is already on top of the $21 trillion. Yeah, you know, it it doesn't even matter anymore what it is. We're like Greece. Uh, And uh, in terms of real assets and based on GDP, are we at 100 percent debt? Basically, we're well, a little less. It's probably in the low 90s. But we're just just, you know, just for government work, as they say, debt to GDP is basically 100 percent. That's a staggering figure. Now, you get China for, by the way, of example, that debt to GDP is about 240 percent. Yeah, which is amazing. By the way, my God, would you explain what that means? Incidentally, the GDP and the debt. So the U.S. the U.S. economy grows about 21 trillion dollars a year. That's basically the gross domestic product of this country, ish. And our debt is basically 21 trillion dollars. So the debt is 100 percent of GDP. China, for example, I think their GDP is closing in on 
18 trillion, but their debt's closer, I think, 50 trillion. Now, the good news for China is most of that debt is owned by Chinese banks. So, you know, they basically own themselves. That's not the same here in the United States. And I'm not suggesting we have a bigger problem, but at a certain point, I think it matters. You know, you just said tongue in cheek that it doesn't matter, but you know full well that it absolutely does yeah. matter. And just to give it, I think the analogy here that works is if you make uh, $80,000 a year joint income and you owe $80,000, that's about where the U.S. debt is. Right. Uh, and, and it's very hard. And, and, you can, and, and so either you spend less or you make more. Right. But you can't do both. that. Well, the government certainly just borrow or you keep on borrowing and, and you have unlimited borrowing power and it gets to be completely crazy. And with that. Uh, we're better off than most other countries, which I think is hilarious. The which world is, is, is a hilarious. Wa- yeah, the world is awash in debt. At what point does the Great Depression come, and that one card gets pulled out of uh, that house of cards? Well, you know, we're not going to go down this road because it's way too wonky. But I would submit, and I think you probably feel this some way as well, that this birth, this rise of cryptocurrencies is exactly born out of the fear of exactly what you just said. So I think cryptocurrency should be a warning sign that maybe global debt actually does matter, and people are getting concerned that the currencies of their countries are, in fact, these fiat worthless currency, and maybe there is some value in crypto. I don't know, but I think history books will be written, uh, and they will correlate the rise in cryptocurrencies with the concern about the debt crisis that we're seeing globally, in my opinion. All right, you got it. Uh, Guy, thank you. I enjoy you, Bill. Yeah, always good stuff. Uh, Guy Adami, who, uh, you know, he talks about getting wonky, but he explains the wonk, which is uh, kind of interesting. The bottom line is we're broke. Uh, I have no money, you have no money, and whatever money we do have, it's all completely ephemeral. There's nothing there. It's smoke. It's Robin Williams coming out of a bottle and saying, what would you like? I want money. Poof, here it is. And then we'll take it away. All right, coming up, California and uh, the Me Too movement and where this thing may be going. And I have to tell you, this is scary as hell uh, for lawyers and even people who are in the least bit interested in keeping things quiet. Can't do that anymore. I'll explain when we come back. On a Monday morning, big news that we're covering is uh, Rudy Giuliani continues to contradict himself and stick his foot in his mouth as far as uh, the Russia probe in Mueller is concerned. We'll see the kind of fallout we get on that one. Also, uh, be prepared for gas prices to rise fairly dramatically. Oil is now over $70 a barrel. All right. In the aftermath of the Me Too movement, the question is, how far does this go? And I have said, uh, for example, in many cases, uh, that it does not matter whether a singular act of uh, groping, sexual discrimination, even legitimate sexual discrimination, legitimate, in fact, that, it, that don't, please don't misunderstand, I'm talking about a real uh, groping that took place maybe 15 years ago, 20 years ago, is the same as Harvey Weinstein, is the same as Bill Cosby. There's no difference anymore. And uh, I think that undercuts the movement, for one thing, and I think that's going to make it uh, make the pendulum swing back pretty quickly. Well, not yet. State Senator Connie Leva, a Democrat out of Chino, 
uh, has introduced the Stand Together Against Nondisclosure Act, the Stand Act. And what its goal is, is banning confidentially provisions in settlement agreements, including involving sexual offenses and discrimination, which is virtually all of them as far as the Me Too movement is concerned. And this bill would apply to public and private employers and give plaintiffs more power to decide whether information should be confidential. In other words, if you have a plaintiff or if you have a woman, and it's usually a woman, that signs a non-disclosure agreement, accepts the money, the law says that she will not be bound by that non-disclosure agreement, even if she gets paid. You promise not to say anything. Absolutely, there it is, in writing. However, that part of the promise is not going to be binding. And, okay, uh, how, how, does, how does that work? Well, because public policy is going to say that when it comes to sexual harassment, there is no such thing as a private agreement. Well, uh, that's a problem from the company standpoint and from the individual standpoint, because there's no guarantee that information is going to stay private. Why bother? Which means women are going to be forced to go to court in order to obtain any money. Which means even if a woman wants to remain private and say, you know what, I'll take the money. I don't want it to go any further. I don't want to relive for whatever reason uh, that she doesn't want to go forward. Uh, She can change her mind at any time and file a lawsuit. Uh, based on discrimination and any attempt to uphold the non-disclosure clause when it comes to sexual harassment will be tossed out. She can do it. Well, uh, the California Chamber of Commerce, among other groups, uh, that is arguing that the Stand Act uh, doesn't actually protect victims very much, what it's going to do is benefit the trial lawyers because it means that if a woman wants to accept money then she has to go to court because she's nobody in their right mind is going to pay for a non-disclosure agreement that there's no non-disclosure. Am I missing something? Now, there are non-disclosure agreements that would not be affected. Employment contracts uh, where, for example, uh, workers waive their right to pursue harassment or discrimination or labor claims. I guess that's okay. When it comes to sexual harassment or sexual discrimination, I guess uh, that makes it not okay. Now, we have already have a law that was passed in 2016 restricting confidentiality confidentiality agreements and civil settlements relating to felony sexual assault or sexual exploitation of a minor. Because when it comes to any crime, sexual crime involving minors, that crosses any line whatsoever. And confidentiality agreements, eh, they they shouldn't fly. Uh, Because when you're dealing with a minor, a minor doesn't have the ability to actually sign that, to actually understand that legally. But when it comes to what's going on, I mean, uh, imagine this. Literally, since the statute of limitations has changed, and you can go back probably 50 years. Okay, it happened 50 years ago, or it happened 30 years ago, or it happened 10 years ago. I'll tell you what, let's make it go away. Here's a confidentiality agreement. I'll give you $10,000. I'll give you a million dollars. I'll give you $3.8 million, which uh, I think one of the cases, I think it was either Weinstein or Bill Cosby uh, signed. And it means nothing. 
it means nothing. And uh, there's going to be some point. Right now, uh, no one gets sued. Uh, they breach confidentiality agreements all the time. And then so what? You know, the politics of it is no one's getting sued. Stormy Daniels uh, was paid $130,000, and it doesn't matter. Because she went out and opened her mouth, and what does that mean? Well, she's liable for serious, serious damages. Do you think President Trump is going to file a lawsuit against her? Because not only is the accusation there, but, for example, even at this point, threatening to or filing a suit for damages in failure to uh, uphold a confidentiality agreement, an NDA agreement, is impossible. Frankly, I don't know why anybody does sign those things, truly. I mean, there's, there's no upside. And uh, it's, it, it sort of makes no sense. It really doesn't. So go figure. You know, that's, uh, this is where it's being turned on its head, for sure. It really is. All right. Uh, we're going to come back. Uh, asylum seeker odds. Why this asylum business really is ridiculous. Why it's become all political and really no longer, or if it ever was, people really getting asylum in this country. That's coming up. KFI AM 640. KFI AM 640 handle here. And good morning on a Monday, May 7th. Big story, stories we're uh, checking out today that are trending. Giuliani, uh, another interview uh, in which uh, we're hearing for the first time out of the Trump folks that uh, he may plead the fifth. Go figure that one out, huh? All right. One of the, the big political aspects of the Trump administration is, of course, immigration and the wall. And since that caravan uh, came up from Central America, that has been the poster child to fight immigration, illegal immigration. Although the people that are coming in off the uh, off the caravan are actually are actually asking for legal immigration under the asylum status. So it has become proof that they're pouring over the border. And I'm quoting now President Trump. This shows that these people are uncontrolled in terms of the numbers that are coming in. So two things I want to point out. Number one is that's a crock. And uh, it has become totally political and there's no rea- really any reality to it. But the other part of it is uh, how broken the asylum program is. We do have the concept of asylum. And that is someone coming over to the United States and at the border claiming that they want asylum. uh, Because uh, if uh, they're unable or unwilling to return to their home country because of, number one, persecution or a well-founded fear of persecution on account of race, religion, nationality, membership in a particular social group, or political opinion. Now, keep in mind that proof has to be given to the immigration judge. And some judges are, it's almost impossible to prove anything, because a lot of it has to do with testimony, a lot of it has to do with how much evidence you can produce. For example, let's say a family member is killed uh, by a group of narco-traficantes, Right? Who's going to take a picture of that and then use that in an immigration hearing? Please. So it's a question of affidavit, it's a question of testimony, and it's a question of whether the judge believes it or not. 
There is all, uh, also an issue of membership in a particular social group or political opinion. That is so loose. Race, religion is easy, right? Uh, I am Catholic in a Protestant country, okay? I'm just obviously giving you a hypothetical here. Uh, or I am a Christian in a Muslim country. I think that's more, more apt. Okay, that's easy. I am, and just by the very ner- uh, nature of me being Christian in a country in which there's tremendous discrimination against, uh, against uh, my religion, you know, you've got a, you've got a good basis. Nationality, uh, race, I mean, those are pretty clear. Membership in a particular social group is a little bit more difficult. And judges, immigration judges, are looking at it very differently. And it's all a crapshoot. And I said this before. Nobody gets in from Central America. I mean, nobody. We're talking about uh, there are 34 immigration judges in L.A. Two of the judges granted fewer than 33%. One judge granted 71%. But can you imagine 3% to 71% asylum seekers actually getting asylum? And they don't actually get asylum at the border. They're just given the ability uh, to go in front of an immigration judge and until then sit in detention for a couple of years sometimes. And the families are separated because they don't put families together in detention. Women are held in one group. Men are held in another group. Kids are held either with the women or their own group. So it's, it's a tough battle. So we're only talking about a few thousand people a year who make that claim. And go through it. The other thing, and this is more a little more wonky, but I'll, I'll bet you didn't know this. I think there's a constitutional flaw in this whole thing with immigration judges. They work for the Department of Judges uh, Justice. Jeff Sessions can overrule a decision by an immigration judge. That does make make that person a judge. That basically makes a person an IRS officer, examiner, and that can be overruled. Now, what? Where do you go if you disagree with the IRS? You go to you go to tax court, where you have a real independent judge. Here, you have an immigration judge, quote it's called, and is making the decision of whether you're going to stay or not. And the problem is with these poor immigrants, you're not entitled to uh, representation. You are if you commit a crime here, but you're not entitled at the border or during a hearing, an immigration hearing, which means that if there isn't a nonprofit involved in producing judges for these people or producing attorneys for these people, they're going to lose because that's the other issue. If you have a lawyer, your chances are far greater than, uh, than not to be granted asylum. Well, that's actually not true. It just makes them easier. Uh, it just makes it marginally, well, quite a bit better, not marginally better. But when you're talking about 3 or 5%, and all of a sudden you have double the chance with a lawyer, you're only still talking 10% chance, 20% chance. And it also depends on the judge you're going in front of, the, quote, immigration judge. Because that is all over the place, because this is so subjective. There's no jury here. These are uh, immigration. I'm going to keep on doing with the quotes. Judges, and in some cases, they don't care. They just don't believe at all what anybody says that you're three percenters. They're not held to any standard. 
And so they're simply employees. I'm going to tell you, it's a rough way to go. I wouldn't want to. I would not want to go and uh, be illegal in coming in. And then there's one stat I wanted to uh, share with you. And do I have that? Uh, is that we're talking in the few thousand of each group that are being allowed in. El Salvador, Honduras, just literally a few thousand. And those are the people that are overwhelming our system. Those are the untold numbers that are coming across the border. Okay, go figure. All right, uh, when we come back, uh, temporary uh, protected status, that's another issue of immigration. And this one really shows what the Trump administration is doing when it comes to immigration and your chance to win $1,000. KFI. KFI handle here on a uh, Monday morning. And the big stories that we're uh, covering, I will do that in just uh, this segment coming up. Strike, strikes, and more strikes. And be prepared for a big rise in prices. And don't go to the Big Island if you want to see a volcano. Now's not a really good time, although you'll certainly see a volcano erupting in. All right, uh, there in, in the world of uh, illegal, legal aliens, immigration, et cetera, there is a provision of which uh, people can enter this country legally, and it's somewhat akin to the asylum program, although it's more of a physical issue, humanitarian disasters in home countries. This is the temporary protected status, and what it does, if there is a major earthquake or major floods uh, where people can't even live anymore in their countries, they can come to the United States and ask to live here under a temporary protected status with the understanding, by the way, this is in the law that says when that crisis is over, you're done. You go back. Everybody understands that. Well, you have 57,000 Hondurans who've been living in the U.S. for 20 years who are going to lose their protections uh, coming up January 5th, 2020 and then become vulnerable to deportation. And it really is a question of philosophy. And that is, you have an administration here that says illegal is illegal. Temporary programs are temporary programs. Read the fine print. not even fine print. Read the big font. So Honduras in 1998 had a hurricane that virtually wiped out the country. 57,000 Honduras came in under... uh, TPS. And the government is now saying, uh, you know, that's over. You're done. Now, it turns out that Honduras is a place people are trying to flee due to systematic gang violence and civil unrest, but that's not part of what uh, TPS is about. That's an asylum issue. So, what's ending up happening, again, it's simply a question of philosophy. The program has to be upped every two years uh, by people that are under TPS. And every American president since the Honduran hurricane has, of course, said, oh, yeah, you can stay. You can say we'll still we'll still regard the hurricane as not having that you haven't recovered yet from the hurricane to the point where you can go back. And so they've just let it slide. Twenty years. And now you have a president and you have to give Donald Trump. Credit for being consistent. He does not like immigration. And the only thing that he likes is legal immigration, which is impossible to obtain. They can come in legally. Uh, No, they can't.
because you can't get a visa. There are currently, I think, 10 countries uh, that are under TPS. And you have uh, Guatemala, certainly. You have Honduras. I think you have uh, Somalia. Uh, you have Salvadorians. Uh, you have a group of them. But as these countries are deemed uh, the humanitarian, deemed that the humanitarian crisis is over, that leaves these folks wide open for deportation. Now, is that fair? Well, here's the problem. When someone has been here for 20 years and has had a job, because under TPS, people are allowed to work. There just isn't a path to citizenship. And they've been here for 20 years. They've worked for 20 years. They've gone to school. Their kids were born here. Of course, they're not eligible to be deported, although that could disrupt a family pretty quickly, especially if you have if you have minor children. Which way do you go on this? I mean, technically, there is no issue. They're eligible for deportation. It's over. They're no longer under the protection of TPS. I mean, there's the law. On the other hand, there's an administra- there is an administrative decision and a leaning that says it is more important to further the aim of this administration that we don't want immigrants in this country at all. And the fact that even an argument in favor of immigration is lip service. It really is. We become very jingoistic. This administration, it's America first. And that's it. It's America first. And that means Americans. And that doesn't mean people coming in to become Americans. It means Americans with that red hat that says, make America great. I mean, God forbid you wear an L.A. Dodgers hat. That's not going to fly. Handle on the news, late edition, coming up, KFI AM 640. Handle on the news, late edition. Handle on the news. Today he said I had the biggest since Ronald Reagan. He didn't. He said this repeatedly, over and over and over again, and every time he says it, it's not true, again. He said a big no, but he's the one who brings him up. Nobody asked about his And now, here's Bill Handel. Morning, everybody. Uh, May 7th, Handle here on a Monday. And let's get right into Handle on the News Late Edition with Jennifer Jones-Lee, Wayne Resnick, and me. And you can either go to Paris to uh, see the Eiffel Tower. You can go to San Francisco to see the Golden Gate Bridge. Or you can go to Hawaii and die from uh, the lava. I don't know where I'm going to go in the volcano. Kill away a volcano. Yep, started up again. Now you have, what, 31 homes? Is that right? Destroyed? Yeah, Jennifer? 31 homes, 1,800 people evacuated, and that's at last count. I think that they can't get in and see exactly how many homes. They're probably having to do some aerials I'm to sure. see exactly what's going on. And yeah, one of the things about these volcanoes, uh, they stop when they want to stop because there's nothing on God's green earth, or in this case, God's black earth, because uh, you've got volcanic uh, rock coming up, that uh, is going to stop one of these things. They just go where they go. And so it's you have lava spewing. You have the molten lava coming down the road. and It's like a sci-fi movie, isn't it? Yeah, very much so. And God help any structure that's in the way, it's, it's over. So you either get devoured by the lava 
or you have the molten rocks, which end up starting the the um, spot fires, or the gas, or the gases, the poison gases, which is now starting some toxic rain there. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Uh, so. Apparently, pleading the fifth might be okay, but the president says, you know what? I think there's going to be a conflict of interest before I even have to do that. I'm going to sue! Sue! Yes, I'm going to sue! If I get this right, being a Democrat and on Mueller's team makes it a conflict of interest. Which means that the one person who's totally safe, of course, is Mueller because he's a Republican. But the argument is just being a Democrat. Angry Democrats on the fa- on the uh, team could face legal action over alleged conflicts of interest. Can't wait for that lawsuit to hit. That will be laughed out of court. Laughed. Uh, maybe, maybe not in the courtroom of Judge T. S. Ellis, who I think this is. I think this is what Trump is referring to. Without saying it, they had a hearing on Paul Manafort. Uh, Manafort, excuse me, Manafort's bank fraud case and this judge said you just are trying to get him to flip on trump and you're only doing this because you want to get rid of trump but that has nothing to do with being a republican or democrat no 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 but i think this is what trump heard like yes impure motives because that's why he said they're going to find out there's a court system that protects people from injustice i think that's what he's referring to that judge Calling out you know, Mueller's team. Shannon is waving this stupid pinata. What is it? A flamingo. Yep. With uh, a sombrero on. Uh, yeah, with a little sombrero, which, by the way, is totally name, ra- is totally racist. Her name even, is Guadalupe. Even bringing, well, really, even bringing a pinata on anywhere near May fifth is, in fact, racist. You know that appropriation. You're making fun <laughs> of uh, the Latinos or Mexicans in this case because it's uh, May fifth. Okay, May Day, right? Cinco de Mayo. Yeah. yeah. Hey, true. oil. I won't say it in Spanish. <laughs> Why? Because that's racist. Oh, he's oh. not allowed. All right. Uh, oil mean. above seventy dollars a barrel again. I got the crude oil blue. First time since oh, November twenty fourteen. Yeah, it's gonna get expensive. Although, uh, from what I understand, it's not gonna stop people from driving around this summer for vacations. No, it no. never did, and it never will. Is this because people are worried that uh, President Trump's going to pull us out of the Iran deal and then the Iran yeah, oil sure. will disappear sure. from the market? For sure. And if and if it turns out that it goes the other way, where he upholds the Iran deal, uh, I think you're going to see oil drop. But I don't know that dramatically because Saudi Arabia and uh, the other members of, of OPEC have done a pretty good job of reducing supply. Because that's what they do is, is supply and demand. And when there's a glut, prices are nothing. Where was it? Beginning of last year was $35, $38 a barrel. It's doubled since then. Yeah, and Russia's in on that act, too, of cutting output. For the record, if I were to die or know that I was dying, I would absolutely say my bosses could come to my funeral. John McCain says no. And when I'm gone, there'll be one child born. Yeah, he says, Mike Pence, sure, you can come to my funeral. Donald Trump? Nope. Oh, Donald out. Trump's not really his boss. No. Not, not, well, you but, know what I mean. Right. But it's, you know, to, to, to not invite a sitting president the, to a funeral of a senator is, uh, I don't know if that's ever happened. Especially when you're inviting the vice president. Yes. Well, it's, a per, it's obviously personal animosity. Yeah. McCain hates Trump with a passion. And I tell you, if, if I hate someone... Uh, they're not coming to my funeral. 
I have no problem with that. What do you care at that point? Well, but in general, I mean, it's just. Wouldn't you like it? Like, ugh, they got to spend their whole day coming to this dumb funeral? Uh, that's true. And, and get them back. And the the two, uh, the eulogy is going to be one by George H.W. and the other one by Barack Obama. Oof, that's even yep. more of a dig. Speaking of presidents, Vladimir Putin has taken the oath of office for his fourth term as president of Russia. He will be president forever. Did they get rid of those term limits that made him leave briefly in 2008 before he came back again? I don't think so. It's still two terms. So he has uh, his second term now. uh, And I, you know, I don't know if they got rid of term limits. Uh, Yeah, look it up. Seventy seven percent of the vote. Oh, yeah. They love him. That's kind of remarkably low, given. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. Given Saddam Hussein with one hundred and five percent. Yeah, I know. It almost looks like people felt they had legitimate options. It's not as bad as if you don't show up to the polls with a mustache and and both men and women and vote for Saddam, you'll get killed. But you have the opposition, which weren't allowed to run Uh, there. There's a. And a lot of allegations of vote fraud. Uh, anyway, uh, so he is, and he's promising economic reforms because there is so much, so much corruption in Russia. Do we yeah. know the answer, Alex? Yeah, they extended it from four years to six years, and they can go only two in a row. So I guess he could do two. Oh, a year, oh can, and it's, then it it's not is, two, and you're done. It's no more than two in a row. Then you take a pause right. and you come back. And they went from four years to six years. Six, yeah. Right. So you go twelve years now before you're termed out. Then there's a six-year lag, but but another six years, uh, yeah, he's going to be around for a while, and he's certainly going to be the kingmaker otherwise. Even when Medvedev, Medvedev was uh, the president, uh, he was picked by Putin. Putin was the premier, still ran the country. I mean, Medvedev just sat in that seat. Oh, he was his mouthpiece. Absolutely. All right, we're going to come back and finish up. Handle on the news, late edition. Monday, the seventh big stories that we're covering, Rudy Giuliani, of course, uh, contradicting himself all over the place regarding the Mueller, particularly the Stormy Daniels situation. That's the big one. And then uh, get set to uh, pay big time money for uh, tech, uh, for a gasoline. All right. Back we go as we finish Handle on the News, late edition, Jennifer Jones Lee, Wayne Resnick, and me. A week from tomorrow, they're walking out. I got out of work. The boss is a jerk. This will be custodians, cafeteria workers, bus drivers, and other support workers all throughout the LAUSD. And uh, they say they're protesting unfair labor practices by the school district. And they want, you know, better wages. Yeah, but not unfair labor practices, not in, in – it, it's really a roundabout. They're saying that you're not giving us enough assistance. Right. You're, uh, you're just not paying for the help we need as opposed to we being the victims of. And I guess the argument is we are the victims because you are not uh, helping us out by giving us the kind of support. Like staffing or work hours, those sorts of things. Yeah. Uh, Before they go on strike, 50,000 UC workers are on strike. Take this job and shove it. Not going to shut down any of the campuses or the medical centers, but their largest employee union uh, begins a three-day strike today. Yeah. And, this uh, is also custodians, gardeners, cooks, truck drivers, but also lab technicians, nurse aides. See, ha- there's the problem because they are still going to, for example, have the medical centers open. 
So with the staff all gone, okay, what do you do? Do you have – and management, of course, takes over and does and, and does whatever work has to be done. So let me get this right. You are going to be operated on at UC Medical Center, and the staff is gone, so they bring in the custodial manager to help the physicians. Do I have that right? God, I hope not. <laughs> I hope not, too. Hey, maybe it's uh, write-your-own-script time, though, at that hospital. Well, I think they wrote their own script on the Carnival Dream Cruise that definitely became a nightmare. Now, to Carnival's credit, they say that there was a broken water line pipe and the the pipe flooded about 50 cabins. I don't know why this is such a big deal other than Novovirus stories and that sort of thing. I think that's the problem is everybody hears horror stories on cruise ships. So you have a water main break, 50 cabins. They give everybody a refund on the 50 cabins. And uh, then they uh, say, here's the discount towards the next cruise. I mean, they could have given everybody a refund and here's a free cruise. I mean, that's, you know, it's a big enough corporation to do that. But uh, okay, now what? Well, it's just because you want a wonderful time on vacation, and then you're flooded out, and people are going to post about it. But stuff happens. Did you hear, too, that within 24 hours, they had replaced the carpets? They had gone through, and, like, all the stuff that was wet, they had replaced that? That just shows you what they're carrying on those ships and what they're prepared for. They replaced the entire—I mean, it was one whole hallway of carpet that they were able to replace. Well, and it matched. matched. That's even more amazing. All right, here's a cruise for you, Bill. The world's longest cruise has been announced. Viking Cruises on their Viking Sun. That's the newest one, right? Yeah. In their line. Uh, It is a 245-day continuous cruise. That's a long cruise. 59 countries. Yeah, a long cruise. Because around the world cruises, the longest I've ever seen, 120 days, give or take. And that's around the world. They just double that. Uh, It's $93,000 per person, which is about within the same price range it's about right in other words your 120 day cruise is about 50,000 give or take per person but that's a cabin as big as your coffee table right next to the elevators it's the worst cabin yeah. on the ship I this just, so i don't know well i don't know in this case if it's the flat rate for everybody on board oh, how no, they will not. decide you're saying it starts at 93,000 oh yeah of course oh yeah cuz you get suites you can get me. Can spend a fortune. It includes business class, international airfare because it leaves from London. Yeah, transfers to and from the ship, all gratuities, all service fees, free luggage, shipping, and all the booze you could possibly guzzle down. And on that is, boat. and that is typical too when you're talking about these around the world cruises on a, on a reasonable high end line. And Viking is, uh, but it doesn't. I don't think it includes the uh, the cost of tours in the. In the various mm, ports. And that's where they get you. Oh, man, do they get you on those. The cruise line runs those tours? No, no. They have independent. They, bar- they, they partner with. What they with- do is, yeah, and they get a huge percentage. For example, you'll go on a cruise. You could have had an Ensenada day trip, 120 bucks, right? Yeah, we went. you could have gone to Ensenada. It was $50 or per person, or we just walked across the terminal. Like, literally, we walked through the line across the terminal taxi, to- right? for $10. Exactly. For the day. For the two of you. Yes, round trip. As opposed to a hundred dollars, yes, that's where they make their money because they cut it because they pay the ten dollars, yeah, or the twenty bucks, and then they get the balance. And their bus was no better than our bus. Absolutely, that's oh how it goodness. works. All right, we're done, guys. Uh, coming up, bye bye brothels in Nevada. I'm I'm weeping right now. <laughs>
it's it's a heartbreaker. I'll explain why that's happening. You think it, it would never happen? There's a reason for it. KFI AM 640. KFI AM uh, 640 handle here. And uh, good morning on a Monday. Well, let me tell you what's happening in Nevada. I mean, we know what happens in Nevada. It's uh, legalized gambling, which now is in many, many states. And so uh, Nevada, of course, had to turn into a much more entertainment-based city. Well, there are several counties in Nevada that have out-and-out legalized prostitution. And two of them, Nye and Lyon counties, I have about half of the hooker establishments in them, and there's a referendum a-going And that is to qualify ballot measures to make those brothels illegal in Nye and Lyon County. And that would eliminate about half of the state's 20 brothels. And until June 15th to qualify the ballot for the November election. Now, uh, the big deal is when did you ever think Nevada brothels were going to disappear? Well, there's a bunch of reasons for it. First of all, other states have been catching up on Nevada's monopoly on vice mainly gambling. It was known as the gambling center of the world, actually. Uh, Well, gambling center of the United States. And gambling around the country has proliferated. Uh, Recreational use of marijuana is available. And so here's what Nevada has been doing, edging towards a more traditional image. Las Vegas specifically. I mean, it used to be you go there to gamble, and now you have families that go there. Now you have the best restaurants out there. You have the, the best shows out there. And so it's no longer the shows, the restaurants, et cetera, to generate gamblers for going. Now it's just destination. Also, uh, you have Las Vegas moving much more towards a traditional big-time city. The Golden Knights, uh, that's its first major pro team sports, National Hockey League. Uh, The NFL arrives in 2020 with the Oakland Raiders, which is no longer going to be Oakland. Uh, They have a $1.9 billion stadium going to be completed in 2020. Uh, the NBA, there's talk of the NBA coming. And then the huge new uh, Tesla plants uh, in Nevada. So it's uh, it, it's really going the way of sort of a traditional state. So the Me Too movement is another reason. Because that ignited a national dialogue on sexual misconduct by men. And then pushing legalized prostitution further away from what's accepted in society. So... A word or two about that. To combine legalized prostitution in the Me Too movement or in the women's movement, saying that women are, by definition, abused, by definition, harassed, by definition, sexually discriminated on because they're hookers, for example. Uh, It leaves out choice. See, there's no such thing in the world as being a hooker who wants to be a hooker. That doesn't exist for many people in the women's movement or the Me Too movement. It just doesn't exist. If you are a hooker, you were forced into it. I had that same problem when I first started uh, surrogacy. That a woman who gives up a child after giving birth, by definition, is being forced to do so. There is no such thing as a woman doing this voluntarily. Talk to my 2,500 kids that I've had. 
and the several thousands of surrogates that I've talked to and have gone through my program. Right? It's all coercion. Same thing with prostitution. It's all coercion. Also, I have to give you a personal story about going to Nevada. When I was a kid in my 20s, or a young man in my 20s, there were a group of guys, my brother and some friends, and we decided we would go to Pahrumpf, Nevada, you know, to the Bunny Ranch, just to see what it's about. No one had enough money to do anything about it, so we never intended to do anything other than go there. And so we're driving hours out of Las Vegas, and we had driven to Las Vegas, and so we end up in Pahrumpf, and we go to the Bunny Ranch. And uh, the way it works is you sit there uh, in uh, sort of a living room area, and they parade the girls out, and you get to choose. And they were some of the harshest women I have ever seen. Now, women who have gone around the block a few times clearly didn't want to be there. I mean, just didn't like it. It just was so clinical. It was, there was nothing there other than, yeah, you want it, you pays your money, you know, you get exactly 20 minutes, not 21, you get 20 minutes, here's what we will do versus what we won't do. They actually think it was a menu uh, up on the wall. And uh, we decided, because we had no intention of engaging, first of all, it's expensive too. I mean, it's not cheap. So we had no intention of doing it. It became obvious that we are just there looking. I am surprised we didn't get beat up by the bouncer that was there. I mean, they were not pleasant about it. Uh, But I guess they go uh, to uh, these uh, houses of prostitution, these whorehouses in Nevada, which I've never understood. Boy, I'll tell you, you want true love, go to one of these for sure. Now the question, is it going to qualify on June 15th in those counties? Yeah, I think there are enough people that live in those counties, all six people, who I think want to change change the entire the climate, uh, the perception of who they are. Because right now, you go to Pahrumpf County, for example, and all you think about is, is prostitution. That's it. Or Art Bell, who's now dead. And it's changing, much like Las Vegas changed. You don't think of Las Vegas as a center of vice. You don't think of Las Vegas as some place you go to really enjoy the, the black side, the dark side of you. All right. So much. And if you want to go to the Bunny Ranch, be prepared for a miserable time. At least I think so. All right. Coming up, robocalls are getting worse and worse. Some examples. And last night, we have three of them, of course, because everybody gets half a dozen a night. And I want to share with you a little bit of what's going on, some legal aspects to it, why they're probably not going to stop anytime soon, and your chance to win $1,000. Can't buy handle here on a Monday morning. Some of the big stories that we are covering today. Uh, Iran oil surge uh, as uh, we're looking for next year, uh, next week, if the president uh, upholds the Iran nuclear deal, oil is above $70 a barrel. And we're hearing for the first time Donald Trump may be pleading the fifth. This is Rudy Giuliani that's saying that. All right. uh, A moment or two about robocalls. This is something that every single one of us suffer through. 
everyone. And, I mean, we have numbers, and for some reason I'm on a list for home improvement people. I just don't get how I got on the list. I have an inside line that we only use amongst uh, family, that we never share with anybody other than family and friends. And, And since I have no friends, almost nobody calls. You know what I get? Robocalls. And since phone calls are fairly important coming in when they're legitimate, I pick them up. And I get these stupid robocalls. And they are getting so good that I'm on the phone and I'm going, hey, hey, and I'm answering and I'm responding. And, of course, it's a robocall. And here is one that I want to share with you. And this, I'm not talking about the product. I don't care. Insert product name here. But just how good they sound now. Medicare Assistance Program. We're just reaching out to inform you that we have some great Medicare supplements available in your area. We can also help you with your medication cost. Now, if you need help covering what Medicare doesn't, then please press 1 to be transferred to a specialist. If you wish to be placed on the do not call. All right, all right. So that sounds like someone actually calling. There are ones, and I wish we had pulled them up, that are so much better. For example, there's one uh, last week that I, I... Got from some woman robo voice uh, saying, uh, hello, uh, my name is uh, Adeline. And, oh, wait a minute, I just dropped my headpiece. Hang on a minute. And you hear a clink. And then you go, wait, it's just so good at what they do. It drives you nuts. Or the one where they say, uh, like, they'll rattle their thing. They'll make this sound. And then they'll go, can you hear me? And you say, yes. Well, whatever your yes is means that they can continue on or something like that. There's some catch that they have if you say yes. It just drives you completely oh, nuts. Oh, it's a lunacy. And so they're trying to stop it, obviously. But there's all kinds of legal issues because you have the right to call people, especially if a yes happens and they right, fraudulently right. encourage the yes. The do not call list doesn't exist. It simply doesn't exist. There used to be a do not call list. I think technically there still is. Go figure. But no, no. So we're stuck with these robocalls. Now, I just, as soon as you realize the robocalls are there, of course you hang up. So there's two kinds of calls. Uh, One, the robocalls, which all you can do is hang up. You can't do anything else. The other ones are real people calling. Now, I love, or you pick up a robocall and say, press one, you've just won a free trip to Disney World, for example, and your name was pulled uh, out of a hat or whatever they say. And uh, John is actually, he has received a few of them. He's actually going on one of those trips, and most of them are timeshares. Cannot wait to hear how his free trip is going to go. You guys have no idea how brutal handle has been on John for taking this trip. Oh, it's just unbelievable. It is insane. So I got a call saying, you it was a timeshare. You've just won. Uh, and so I call back, or I was connected. I go, really? Mail it to me. Well, you can't. You have to pick it up in person. But wait a minute. I just won something. Why can't you mail me uh, the, uh, the documents? Oh, no, no. You have to pick it up. Well, why? And it was a, a guy who didn't speak a whole lot of English. He was Filipino. I spent 10 minutes on the phone with him. Until his supervisor realized that it was me jerking his chain. You know, it was, uh, oh, it was a lot of fun. But uh, the point is, we are simply stuck with robocalls. And until you get used to them, and it's going to come to the point, incidentally, where they know who they're calling, and they're going to use your name. 
Hello? Hi, Bill. My name is, and I just wanted to let you know. Oh, wait a minute. Uh, my phone is uh, is clicking through or there's a little problem. Hang on a minute. Click, 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 click. Okay, I'm back. So anyway, as I was saying, Bill, and it's going to be a robocall. As in billions a day. And that is the lack of privacy. Now, the government is trying to deal with it. And uh, personally, I think there should be a penalty. I think after the first third one, people should uh, either go to jail for 25 years or get the death penalty. Either one works for me. I'm with you. Uh, exactly. All right. Just to let you know, categories, okay? Interest rates are number one. Credit card problems, number two. Student loans, number three. Business loans, four. IRS, you know, the IRS scam, which they never call you. Uh, that's for travel, pre-approved loans. Hi, you've just been pre-approved. That's a crock, by the way. You haven't been pre-approved for anything. We just call up and we need paperwork, et cetera. Home security, utilities. I mean, it just goes on and on. They drive me nuts. Oh, okay. Just, all right, let's just go and have some fun now. I'm getting all incensed here. You know, I'm just starting to just sweat with just absolute disgust. Anger. Lamictal yet? Not quite. All right, all right. Qu- coming up, do they have a case? Wayne Resnick comes in. We go through a few cases and... We, I, you get to decide which way is the court going to go on this set of facts. KFI AM 640. You are about to enter the courtroom of Judge Bill Handel. The people are real. The cases are real. The rulings are final. This is Judge Handel. It's time, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Why do you say that? Who the hell says that? Or do they have a case? Wayne Resnick, every week, researches cases that are either about to be heard, or have been heard, decided, and are on appeal, uh, or have been appealed and have been decided. Does that make sense? It does. Yes. Okay, let's start. Uh, you know what I got to do first. Oh, Yes. KFI Mixer. Yeah, donate now to help the American Red Cross initiative to get prepared, California. And you and a guest can mix and mingle with the KFI crew. It's an exclusive evening at the beautiful OUE Sky Space in Los Angeles. Cocktails, appetizers, meet all the team, live Q&A, photo opportunities. You have to be 21 years or older to attend. They're limited tickets, so you want to get them before they're gone. For more details... Log on to KFIAM640.com and search the word Mixer. If I were a judge and someone uh, made a motion uh, in my courtroom to get rid of that, uh, how do you think that would do? Uh, summer, summarily granted without even hearing from the other side. That is correct. Okay. First case. All right. So uh, a guy has business at a pawn shop, the Gold Nugget Pawn Shop. And he shows up, and there's a cop car there, and there are two uniformed officers, and one of them's looking into the window of the pawn shop. And he doesn't, you know, he's not doing anything wrong, so he doesn't think anything. And he goes, hey, how you doing? How you doing? And then the cops go into the pawn shop, and he goes in behind them. And unbeknownst to him, the cops are there responding to a silent alarm from inside. So as this guy walks in behind the cops, behind the cops, 
that he's already exchanged pleasantries with, uh, he is faced with the robber running out. And one of the cops shoots at the robber and hits this guy in the butt. He sues the cops. Does he have a case? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because it all depends on whether the police were an imminent threat to themselves or to others. Oh, and I'm sorry. I, I'm did sorry. The I'm very sorry. The robber, the robber shot. I'm so sorry. The robber shot one of the cops in the arm Oh, first, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And then the no, other yeah. officer returned fire right. and hit this bystander too, in the butt. Too bad if you're a bystander. Stuff happens. You want to know uh, what his argument is? Uh, sure. They should have told me when we were outside, hey, there's a silent alarm. Something's mm-hmm. going on in there. And they did not. Oh. And that's a failure of proper training. You know what? And that, therefore. That is. You know what? Now you keep on adding stuff to this. I know. Which I go back and forth and back and forth. Just like a real case where people come up with new stuff at every turn. Right. Well, yes. All right. So. Should the police have warned them that there is a did they see him? Did they see him going in? Did they know he was coming in behind them? Uh, It is highly they say no. And it is quite believable that not because he went in after they had gone in. Right. If it turns out that uh, that they didn't know he was coming in, then there's no issue. That's a no brainer. If it turns out they did know uh, that there was the uh, that they did see him and knew that he was following them, they should have turned around and said, get out of here. Uh, That's the way I'm ruling. So uh, does he have a case? It all depends on whether or not it's a factual issue. Uh, I think the the issue itself is, did they know he was going in? And if they did, I think they have a duty to say, get the hell out of here. That's what I think. You are correct. Ah! And that is what the appeals court said. They said, you know what? They didn't know you were walking in behind them. And he said, but they saw me coming up to the place outside. And they said, well, that's not the same thing. Right. And uh, what happened to you does not, and this is, I guess, the legal standard here, it does not shock the conscience what they did. Oh, it's interesting. And I mean, so they have uh, where, the old is, qualified but, immunity. Uh, but to argue shock the conscience in anymore, terms of not in terms no, of being like no, reckless it. or it has to be outrageous. Uh, but I haven't heard that in such a long time because uh, when it's dealing with police brutality or the wrongdoing of police, I don't think shock the conscience uh, as public policy d- works anymore. Uh, I'm surprised the, ju- the the court said that. Okay, let's do one more. All right. Uh, this has to do with the union, and uh, there's a nursing home, and they had a vote whether they were going to be represented by a union, and it passed, 35 to 31, and the company immediately appealed and said, oh, no, 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 there's so many problems with what happened. Representatives from the union were approaching people as they were coming to work and standing in the way of their car to tell them, hey, you should vote for the union. And two people said that they uh, felt that they were being threatened with physical violence by representatives of the union. Okay. And therefore, yeah, the so vote far, was not free right. and fair. So far, that's easy. And that's, that's the case. That's oh, the case. There's no, if there's any credulity to the, uh, uh, the coercion or stopping people from coming in, union screwed. Oh. Oh, come on. Come on. Coercion. Threatening violence if they don't vote their way? Please. Please. Well, 
The uh, Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia said they still get to be represented by the union. See, that's crazy. The company cannot undo of, the, really? that Really? They election. can't undo straight-out coercion. Well, the, assuming they believe that, assuming well, the commission believe that they got into a big argument about, you know, was it coercion or was it just uh, enthusiasm? That's in terms of coming up to the cars. I don't think they can. And even then the do- other thing had to do with very it was generic allegations of like, yeah, the union's going to F you up if you don't vote for the union. But was it a specific union rep that they said said that? Yeah, I got I just don't, yeah. yeah, that's the courts being weird. That's all that is. I can't imagine where they argue there's duress and there is credibility to the duress. That's assuming that the court believed that. And uh, maybe the court found that maybe these things happened, but we don't feel anybody maybe, voted uh, the way they didn't want to vote yeah, because of it. Maybe or they just didn't believe uh, the people that work there, the employees that could be. Court is nuts. <laughs> hey, that's my ruling. There it is. All right, coming up, we'll finish this up. Fair enough. KFI AM 640. KFI Handle, it's a Monday morning, May 7th. Big stories that we are covering here through the rest of the day. It looks like it strikes by UC workers, 50,000 of those, and LAUSD support staff, 30,000 of those. And they're looking here, looking at a strike. And, of course, uh, Rudy Giuliani sticking uh, all three of his feet in his uh, mouth. Okay, more. Do they have a case? Wayne. Well, there's a city in North Carolina called Rocky Mount. And in that city is a little strip club called Gentleman's Playground. Well, they have to get a license. And they have an ordinance to regulate uh, adult businesses. And the owners of the strip club have sued the city, saying that it's an unconstitutional set of rules. And there's two specific things they focus on. One of them, in that city, you cannot be a license holder for a strip club if you're between 18 and 21. You have to be over 21. Okay. Which they say is arbitrary and capricious, and why not? Then the other one is this. They say the police chief there basically has unfettered discretion to approve or deny these licenses because one of the requirements is that the license, if granted, would be for a business that's operating in compliance with all the other laws. And you think of obvious ones, zoning, health laws or whatever. But because the ordinance doesn't say which laws, The chief of police can decide any old law that he wants that maybe you would not be complying with. I deny your license. So this goes all the way up to the federal appeals courts because the district court judge basically said, bah, strip club, shut up. The strip club said, no, we're not going to shut up. So they go to the Fourth Circuit uh, Court of Appeals. And what do you think happened up there with those two things? Uh, Well, I think the first one, you have to be 21 years old to have a license. I think that would fly uh, is my guess. Uh, much like selling alcohol. Uh, well, it depends. It, if you're 18 years old and you could attend a strip club, I don't know why you can't uh, then open up a, uh, you can have a license, all things being equal. But I'm going to say that one, I think the court would have an, an easier time upholding. As far as the police chief is concerned, if the strip club has met all of the elements that every other business has done, to give the police chief that much of an arbitrary uh, power 
that's capricious and for, it sounds like he just does. He's saying no just because he does not like strip clubs. And he is putting his moral position onto this. I'm going to say strip club wins. Yes, they do. And th- what, they, what the appeals court said is if you're going to have a, a, a requirement that you, uh, apply, you, that you follow all laws, you have to list the laws. That way, someone can objectively determine whether you denied them a license because this, like this health law and your kitchen doesn't have a, a venting hood that you're supposed to have. But because it could be any law that he could come up with out of his head, they said uh, overbroad prior restraint, basically, is what it is. Okay. All right. So I far, like, so good. I like this guy in this case. I like him a lot. His First of all, I like his name. His name is Levi Stoltzfus. And, uh, nice Dutch German name. I guess, yeah. And it makes me think of those Stroopwafels. <laughs> so uh, over the course of his life, he saved money. And he got to the point where he had saved uh, $541,000. I'm sorry, $541,100. I don't want to slight the man's accomplishment, which he kept in cash at his house. Well, one day he decided, I should probably put this money in the bank. But I don't want one of those pesky currency transaction reports if I deposit more than $10,000. And so... Over the course of uh, about a month, he made 58 different deposits. All of them were under $10,000 at, at at least 10 different banks. And most of the deposits were between $9,000 and $9,900. Well, one of the employees at the banks goes, this is very suspicious. Because it just so happens that it's illegal to structure your transactions to avoid the reporting requirements. So he gets charged and he gets convicted and he appeals. And uh, this is his argument. It's not, I'll tell you right now, the argument isn't that great. He says the law against structuring your transactions so no reporting requirements are met is unconstitutional because I didn't have any criminal intent. That's his argument. It's unconstitutional because I didn't have any criminal intent. Now, you know there are laws that are intent crimes and there are laws that are not intent crimes. And this particular statute does not say that he has to willfully right. do it. He j- the, the two elements are you make the deposits of less than $10,000 and you're aware of the reporting requirement. You're aware that there's right. a requirement. That's so, all that's necessary so an under the statute. So an underlying criminal act that means nothing, whether it is or isn't, because the law in and of itself uh, demands it, and it's not an it's not an underlying intent. That's all there is to it. Yeah, and you're, so, you're, so you're he, equally guilty if the money are. is a hundred percent legitimate, right? And you're not trying to get away with anything. Yep. Although who would who wouldn't just put it yep. all in if you weren't trying? Right. But some people go like, eh, I don't want the IRS to come around. And, they, and they're going to ask. You say, I've saved it over the course of years, and you're done. And it's just stupid. And there's civil forfeiture, too. Well, that's the other part they're of it. They took the- all of it. All of it. He could, But he could apply to have it back, and they will keep 15. Because he, I think, well, I don't know. It's it's a criminal forfeiture now. Right. And, and, and this was another part of his argument. It's sort of a separate thing. He said, that's too much money. You're, uh, it's cruel and unusual punishment oh, yeah, that you took too. all of my life yeah, savings. That's crazy. Now, and they said, 
but you structured all of your life savings. And it could go either way, by the way, because I was once involved in a case. Uh, not me personally, but I was involved with a friend of mine, very early legal days, uh, that took some money to Brazil, $76,000, uh, and didn't report it and got tagged for it. And it was going to a charity. It was, I told you about this case. It was Manny, yeah. Manny Riel was involved, the, the judge. And uh, they picked it up, and uh, it was ruled that that was a civil forfeiture mm-hmm. as opposed to a criminal, which allowed this woman to file a motion in front of the court. She got her money back less 15% that the law allows uh, them to keep for administrative <laughs> issues. For the cost of taking all your money away. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's completely crazy. All right. It was good stuff. So yeah. I was right, except in the one uh, case. You're three for four. And, that, know, and that four. one, and that one, yes, that one case is one of those nutty cases where if you, if you see it on paper, you would think it goes one way. But who knows what actually happened live in the courtroom? Yeah, it could be that it was a bad argument made by a lawyer. Uh, the other side just had a really more persuasive argument, even though wrong. Like a good defense attorney. Or you had a judge who, you know, maybe had a little bias in his head. Could be. One way or the other. It does right. happen. Thank you, Wayne. All right. We come back again tomorrow when we start this all over again at 5 a.m. with Wake Up Call. And then I come aboard at 6. And Jennifer Jones Lee is back. And Gary and Shannon are coming right up. Handle in the morning crew, KFI AM 640.